And good morning. I'm Gary Randall. Thank you so much for joining me today. It's an honor. Today is Wednesday, Thursday. I'm sorry. Thursday, June the 11th, 2020, in the year of our Lord. Today on June 11, 1776, the Continental Congress formed a committee to draft the Declaration of Independence, calling for freedom from Britain. Today in 1770, Captain James Cook, he's commander of the British ship Endeavour, he was out exploring. He discovered, quote-unquote, the Great Barrier Reef off Australia. The way he discovered it is his ship ran into it and crashed. They didn't know it was there. I would say that was a discovery. Today in 1947, the government announced the end of sugar rationing for households and institutional users. That would be like restaurants and hotels. As of midnight tonight, no more rationing of sugar. Today, in 1962, three prisoners at Alcatraz, that island, you know, in San Francisco Bay, they staged an escape. They they escaped the island on a kind of a makeshift raft. They were never found or heard from again. The stories are wild about that. Some say they found their way back into society and just integrated. Some say they were eaten by sharks. I think a movie was actually made about that, but they don't know to this day what happened to those guys that got on that raft and sailed away from Alcatraz. Today, in 1993, the U.S. Supreme Court unanimously ruled that people who commit hate crimes motivated by bigotry may be sentenced to extra punishment. Today, in 2001, Timothy McVeigh, remember him, he was 33 years old, he was executed by injection at the federal prison in Terre Haute, Indiana, the 1995 Oklahoma City bombing that killed 168 people. Remember, he's the guy that blew up that federal building, Oklahoma City. We saw those pictures, those images for days and days and days. It was horrible. Today in 2009, with swine flu reported in more than 70 nations, the World Health Organization declared the first global flu pandemic in 41 years. You know, I'll bet you that swine flu would not be politically correct to say it out loud today. I'm thinking PETA would start suing people for, I don't know, hate crimes toward swine, maybe? I mean, honestly, that's where we are today. It's an amazing time to live, for sure. Abraham Lincoln told our country when he was in office... He said, a house divided against itself cannot stand. I believe this government cannot endure permanently half slave and half free. I do not expect the union to be dissolved. I do not expect the house to fall, Lincoln said, but I do expect it will cease to be divided. It will become all one thing or all the other. Lincoln also said at another time in another speech, it wasn't in the same speech, but he said this. He said, America will never be destroyed from the outside. If we falter and lose our freedoms, it will be because we destroyed ourselves. We're in the process of self-destruction in America. And the media is gleeful. Others are celebrating, calling it progress the radical left, progressives, so-called. Others are fearful. 
They're holding back. They're drawing back. They're afraid. We live in unbelievably perilous times. Radical group of protesters have blocked off six blocks in the city of Seattle. Seattle Times is, they're reporting it like this this morning. Just a couple hours ago. Welcome to CHAWS, C-H-A-Z, where protesters gather without Seattle police. There's a celebratory note in the way they're reporting this. Alexander Cannon, five, and his mother, Fallon Sierra, draw rainbows at 11th Avenue and the Pine Street yesterday in the newly named Capitol Hill Autonomous Zone. Seattle Times says much is free, speech, snacks, movies. In this protest society born from demonstrators that pushed police out of the East Precinct building, protesters spent last night listening to speakers, dancing, painting, painting a giant message on Pine Street. And then they say, see how the day unfolded and find today's live updates. Click here to see what the program is. I honestly thought they were talking about the Yakima Fair in central Washington that I went to as a kid. It sounds like just a celebration, the thing you do in the fall every year and see all your friends there. It's unbelievable. The real press outside of Seattle is reporting it this way, and they have reporters on the ground. It isn't like they're just speculating. The national news story about this today from a conservative point of view, says the radical group of protesters blocked off six blocks in the uh, city of Seattle, including Capitol Hill, declaring it Capitol Hill Autonomous Zone. And they issued a list of demands to authorities on Wednesday. Governor Jay Inslee said during a press conference on Wednesday, that's yesterday, that he was unaware of the problem. That's exactly what he said. I was watching that news, uh, uh, that press conference and one of, some reporter, I couldn't see who it was, but one of the reporters asked him about this thing. Are you concerned about this takeover on Capitol Hill? And Inslee looked blank. And he looked at the camera. He looked at the reporter. And he said, I'm quoting him. That's news to me. I'm not aware of what's going on there. President Trump is. He got pretty upset about it. He's saying that if they don't straighten out and take back their city, he's going to send in troops. He said, I'm going to send them in now. He's pretty upset about it. But the group demanded that the city abolish the city police department and prisons, prisons and the police department, as well as giving amnesty. This is their words, not mine. Giving amnesty to all illegal migrants, they call them, they're illegal immigrants or illegal aliens, free health care and college for all. Can I repeat that? This group has taken over six square blocks of Seattle, including the East Precinct. The building's boarded up. It's locked. The police got in their cars and drove away, said you can have it. And Inslee isn't even aware of it. Well, I don't know. I mean, you tell me, and they're demanding. The, I mean, if it was just one guy on a street corner, maybe you could ignore him, but th- this is a large group of people, and they're planting gardens in there. I was told yesterday they're not going away like after this weekend. 
They're illegal aliens. They're they're demanding that all uh, that amnesty for all illegal aliens, free health care for everyone, and college for all. Abandon, abolish the Seattle Police Department and close the prisons. Those are their demands, and they're being treated as though, well, we'll take that under consideration. We are self-destructing. China isn't doing this to us. Certainly not the Soviet Union. There is no outside force that's bringing this to bear on us, except a satanic force that seeks to destroy, a roaring lion seeking whom he may destroy, devour. That's what's going on in our country today. And I know many of you, most of you, not all, but most of you listening to this program, I'm sure you're as concerned about it as I am. But I'll tell you, there is a segment of our society that's not all that concerned. Jay Inslee's one of them, apparently. I don't know what he's all wrapped up in, but he didn't even know this was going on. We'll see what happens. Popularity of Black Lives Matter, the group, has jumped to 62%. 62% of voters in America approve of and support the agenda of Black Lives Matter. And that wasn't taken by a far-left poll to make it look good. That was taken by Rasmussen, and he leans a little to the right, if anything. 62%. Six out of ten people that you will probably see or pass today, six out of ten, will say, yeah, I support what they're doing. I agree. <laughs> I mean, does anyone, have they paused and just taken a breath and a sip of coffee to ask themselves, where is this going to take us? I don't think so. I don't know. There is some good news. Washington's new comprehensive sex education law is likely to go on the November election ballot as a referendum. We're reading in the newspaper today. Parents for Safe Schools says it turned in 266,000 signatures, more than double the number of ballot signatures needed. They've turned them into Washington Secretary of State's office to put on to put the new law on Referendum 90. Will be, I mean, if it isn't on, I mean, you talk about corruption, it will be on. If they turned in twice as many, because I've been through this before with them and on a different issue on marriage, but. Uh, they'll they'll get it, so it'll be on on the um, on the ballot in November. We're gonna I'll be talking about this more, maybe more tomorrow, because the 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 news media out of Olympia and Seattle Times is already beginning to cast this thing as no big deal. Don't get all worked up about it. We can't hardly believe that all these conservatives and they talk about Mead uh, uh, in the Spokane area and that school district, and and they're just saying it's no big deal. Nothing is changing. I mean, all we're doing is just bringing a little conformity. That's going to be the message. All. I don't have time to get into that today, but we'll, I'll talk about that tomorrow. I'll be sure to talk about that tomorrow because you need to be prepared. They're going to be tamping this thing down from now till the day that you cast your ballot because they don't want that to be overturned. And unless people rise up and vote and talk to other people about it, it won't be overturned because, believe me, the media is going to work overtime on this one, because it's part of the big agenda. They want your children, 
They want to educate them in the way that they want them educated. I've come to that slowly over the last 10 years. I've always believed that they were a far-left influence, but I'll tell you, the press has sold out, as far as I'm concerned. President Biden said this morning, he said he was asked on Comedy or yesterday morning, he was asked on Comedy Central, this daily show, he said, when you win, they, they, he, the, the host there said, when you win the 2020 Democratic presidential election, or the Democratic election, when you win as a Democrat, he said, what are you going to do when President Trump refuses to, lo- to leave the, the Oval Office because he says the election was rigged? This is the kind of, this just puts that idea out there in the public, like, well, Biden is going to win, and Trump won't leave. What are we going to do? Trump has never said he wouldn't leave. Nobody said he wouldn't leave. And nobody's sure he's going to lose. I'm not. I mean, I'm believing that God's will will be done. But Biden jumped all over that, of course, and he said, well, he said, when Trump, when Trump refuses to leave the office... He says, I will call in the military and will remove President Trump from the White House with great dispatch. I'm quoting him. And he said, if that scenario took place. That's the kind of nonsense that's going on in our world today. After these weeks of protests and violence and calls to abolish law enforcement in America, life for the men and women on the police force, have you ever stopped to think about the people on the police force, men and women, who are not corrupt, who are not filled and being eaten away inside by hatred. Yes, there are some, but there are some in every place. I've been a pastor and in the ministry my entire adult life, and some of those people are sitting in churches, and they should be there. That's where they can find redemption. But I will tell you, there are people among us in all walks of life that have a hate problem. But that doesn't mean you dispatch, you abolish law and order, because that is a fundamental basic. The Bible spends scriptures after scriptures about that. God wants law and order. God is not the author of confusion. God is the author of order, and God has his ways, and he's told us about them. And this is not only a a war against our culture, but ultimately, it's a spiritual war. It's strongholds. And they need to be torn down spiritually. And that's what's going on in our world. So Tulsa Police ma- Major Travis Yates, he wrote an article that was published just this week. He said, it's the hardest thing I've ever written. I want to talk to you a little bit about it today. And he, It is probably the hardest thing he's ever written, and it should be the hardest thing we've read in a while. He said, it's the hardest thing I've ever written. He poured out his heart in this opinion column. It's in Law Officer. It's a website, but it's run by law officers, and it's about their business, about their job, their career. And it's guys all over and women all over the nation uh, read it and and contribute to it, one thing or another. I wasn't aware of it, but I looked at it. It's a pretty big deal. There's a lot of people on there. But he said in pouring out his heart in this law officer website, in the column he wrote, he said about himself and members of the law enforcement, 
he concluded his article. He said, America, we're leaving. He details in his article how he grew up. His dad was a police captain. He said he was looking forward as a kid. He said, I was looking forward to interacting with the police force, who he said I revered as heroes. But now he says things are completely different. He says parents used to get mad at their kids for getting arrested. Now they get mad at us, (laughs) no matter what they're doing. Yates said now in the aftermath of George Floyd's death, all police have been branded as racist. But he says, that hasn't been my experience at all. He said, with all this talk about racism and racist cops, he said, I'm quoting him, I've never seen people treated differently because of their race. And while I know that cowards that have never done this job will call me a racist for even saying this, all I've ever seen was criminal behavior and cops trying to stop it, and they don't give a rip what the color of the skin was. That's a quote. He said, I've been called every name you can think of, and he names a few, which I won't. But he said, quote, I've watched African-American cops take the brunt of this and even talked one rookie out of quitting after he was berated by a lot of cowards that had the same skin color as he did. But he said, even, but even with the name-calling and the adversity that comes to every officer of the law, no matter the ethnicity, he said, I hoped, I always hoped that one day one of my children would be allowed to follow in my footsteps and my father's footsteps to become a police officer. He said, but today, all of that is over. I wouldn't wish this job on my worst enemy. I would never send anyone I cared about into the hell that this profession has become. It's the only job where the citizen, same citizens you risk your life for hate you for doing it. He says, rioters throw rocks and bottles and even gunfire as the attacks on police have evolved from verbal attacks to physical attacks. He said, this job is a walking time bomb now that, he said, the little we have, we're told that we're going to be defunded and even abolished. He said, citizens with a political agenda will reign over us, and all you, do to, all you have to do is wake up and put on a uniform to be a racist. Yates says he used to talk cops out of leaving their job. He said, now I'm encouraging them to do so. And he said, that's exactly what I'm doing now. And he concludes, he said, you aren't going to have to abolish the police. We won't be around for it. Let that sink in as you watch the images on your screen, night after night. Last night, they, they all over the country, they were attacking Confederates because of the association and the slavery and all that, including including, I don't think he was a Confederate, but Christopher Columbus. They were pulling statues of Christopher Columbus off their stands around America last night. In fact, one guy they pulled, it wasn't Columbus, it was another Confederate guy, I don't know who it was, but some statue. They pulled it down off a pedestal, it fell and hit a guy and fractured his skull. A guy that was helping destroy the Confederate guy. I mean, it's chaos in the streets. And yet, And yet, our elected officials are sitting by, like Inslee yesterday, well, uh, I I don't know about this. What's going on? He honestly said that. I would hardly believe that if I wouldn't have seen it with my own eyes, but I did. It's unbelievable. Walter Williams is a columnist. He's a professor of economics at George Mason University, and he's a black man. I read him a lot. He's smart as a whip. 
He says, he wrote a column this week, and he says, it's titled, True Plight of Black People Has Nothing to Do with the Police and What Has Been Called Systemic Racism. Instead, he says, we need to take a look at the responsibilities of those running our big cities, even states. Well, he knows it isn't popular to say, including for him as a black man, he said, the most dangerous cities in America, St. Louis, Detroit, Baltimore, Oakland, Chicago, Memphis, Atlanta, Birmingham, Newark, Buffalo, Philadelphia, he named a couple of others. He said they're all run by far-left, mostly black Democrat mayors. He said they have been for the last 50 years. Williams says, he said, often in these cities, blacks dominate city councils and their chiefs are police and, and are black and superintendents of the schools are black. He notes that in 1965, there were no blacks in the U.S. Senate, nor were there any black governors. And only six members of the House of Representatives were black. Now, he says, as of this year, 2019 to 2020, he said 52 House members are black, nine black Americans have served in the Senate, and in recent times there have been three black state governors. The bottom line, Dr. Williams says, is that today's black Americans have significant political power at all levels of government. Yet what has that meant for a large segment of the black population? He says Democrat-controlled cities have the poorest quality public education despite their large and growing school budgets. He lays out the numbers based on facts. We always hear these the far left talking about facts and, you know, data. Facts and data. We don't want your religion. We don't want you to pray for people. I mean, we, I hear that all the time. I look at a lot of news. But I see it and hear it all the time. You probably do, too. It isn't pretty. Williams lays out the facts with the sources from these cities. I wrote an article about this part of what I'm talking about today, and you can go to it at faithandfreedom.us. And what I have said is sourced, I mean, to the source. And you can read it for yourself. But he notes that the population is declining in every city because of violent crime and poor education. And because of the decline of population, the economic base of the city erodes, and he said it becomes like a ghetto. He didn't use that word, but I will. It becomes like a ghetto. He said, quote, academic liberals, civil rights advocates, and others blame the exodus of people from the cities on racism. He says they called it white flight to the suburbs to avoid blacks. He said, but blacks have been fleeing the same cities at higher rates than whites. He said the five cities whose suburbs have the fastest growing black populations are Miami, Dallas, Washington, D.C., Houston, and Atlanta. He said, it turns out that blacks, like whites, want better and safer schools for the kids and don't want to be mugged or have their property vandalized either. And like white people, if they have the means, black people cannot wait to get out of these troubled cities. The troubled cities are the ones that are run by black mayors, black city council. I mean, let's call it what it is. He has the right to say that. He's highly educated, he's an influencer, and he's black. And he said, let's put police shootings and uh, blacks in perspective. He said, this year, I'm quoting him, he said, this year, and, and he gives the source where he got his numbers from. He said, this year, 172 whites and 88 blacks have died at the hands of police. In Chicago alone in 2020, there have been 1,260 shootings, 256 homicides with blacks, 
being the primary victims. He said that comes to one shooting victim every three hours and one homicide victim every 15 hours. He says, quote, three people in Chicago have been killed by police out of the 1,260 shootings. He says, (laughs) I'm quoting, if one is truly concerned about black deaths, shootings by police should figure way down one's list. But unfortunately, it doesn't figure down way down one's list. Now Oprah Winfrey has reinserted herself into the culture. She still believes that she's the queen of talk. Maybe she is. I don't know. She's not the queen of talk to me, but perhaps she is. She has led a two-day televised summit this week, Tuesday and last night, on several cable channels, on behalf, in support of, Black Lives Matter. That's to lay out the organization's list of demands moving forward, and the event is called, Where Do We Go From Here? I wrote about that today as well. You can see it at faithandfreedom.us. She has over a dozen black social justice activists on there, including the failed Georgia gubernatorial candidate Stacey Abrams and Atlanta Mayor Keisha Bottoms. Abrams is being considered by Joe Biden's campaign as a possible beefy running mate, and I've heard that that this mayor of Atlanta, Mayor Bottoms, is also being considered. I found it interesting that among those who want to chart the course forward is New York Times journalist Nicole Hannah-Jones. She was on there with with Oprah as well. She spearheaded the the newspaper's controversial 1619 project. That says it reveals that America was not founded with the signing of the Declaration of Independence in 1776, which they sat down to write today in 1776. Rather, it was founded, our country was founded in 1619 when the first slave ship sailed into Jamestown with slaves for the colony. She told CBS last week, she said, violence is when an agent of the state kneels on a man's neck until all the life is leached out. Destroying property, that can be replaced. That's not violence. And that's the tone of what these guys are talking about in this special with Oprah Winfrey, and they are laying out the future of America from their perspective. And a whole bunch of people have been watching them this week. As I said... A house divided against itself cannot stand, quoting Abraham Lincoln. Lincoln also answered a reporter one time. The man said, do you think you're on God's uh, side? Trying to trip him up, as reporters do. Abraham Lincoln's response was, sir, my concern is not whether God is on our side. My greatest concern is to be on God's side, for God is always right. That's where we are today. We better be sure we're on God's side on where this nation is going. And that's where it comes to us. Pray for the president. Pray for the nation. Pray for those who have been given power by the people. Pray that God will lead us. And thank you for your support. Our address is Box 399 Bellevue, Washington, 98009. I'll see you right here tomorrow. We'll continue the conversation.